Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. It's episode 421. I've got a small but powerful panel. We've got some excellent stories to discuss. I think it's going to be a good discussion. We've got a special guest as well. We've got Heather Wide. She's been on the show before, but she's a friend of the show. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, hi. Uh, I love being here with you guys. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Spencer and Adrian. Um, so uh, I'm Heather Wild. I'm based in Las Vegas, Nevada, as opposed to up north in Nevada, where you guys are. And uh, I'm with a company called Rocketeer. Uh, we do uh, consulting, training, coaching. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a CTO, so a fractional CTO. Um, I can help with the things that are not WordPress related uh, with your company. <laughs> And uh, so if you need a, a boost with anything else, that's what uh, we do. And you've just in the process of releasing a book, are you not, Heather? I am. So uh, I'm one of the founding members of a company called Evernote, which uh, some people may be aware of. Uh, and uh, I just wrote a book about, uh, a business book about what it's actually like to build a company like that. Not just the framework of how to make a billion dollar company successful, because uh, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, if you just try hard enough or think hard enough or whatever hard enough, like drink a lot of lattes and, and uh, meet, meet people, uh, meet the right people, then, then you're going to build that company. Um, so, I mean, there is that kind of stuff in there about like how we stumbled our way to success. But um, what, what this book covers that a lot of other ones don't, um, actually no other ones do is what it's actually like in your life when this is happening. Um, so I, I talk about uh, the years running up to the forming of Evernote um, because we all knew each other beforehand um, and we were all working together beforehand in other companies. I talk about uh, the, the times that we were, uh, like what, what it was like at home <laughs> and what was that? Yeah, exactly. Like what what that home like was like. What what it did to our relationships outside of the business um, and the aftermath. So um, the it's it's a completely different type of business book. And I also give you a framework on what I think was the secret to making that company successful and how to do it in a more healthy way. And I'm correct at the present moment. Um, I'm going to have all the details, the links in the show notes, folks, to Heather's book. But am I correct at the present moment? Um, till the end of the month, if they go and buy a copy, um, about half of it goes to charity. Is that about right? Uh, yeah, actually a little bit more than that. So 100% of all the net proceeds uh, through the month of August of the sale go to uh, my nonprofit, Serenzi Global, which um, is set up for uh, continuing education in STEM and IT. So uh, we know a lot of people uh, in, uh, around us, they want to they wanna change careers. They want to, um, maybe they, they want to go back to school and, and 
upskill themselves, uh, but there isn't necessarily funding for that, or they uh, they just uh, maybe like you just weren't in an area where you could have gone gotten that education in the first place. So we're setting up a uh, we have set up a nonprofit specifically to help people get that boost, get that education, um, get subscriptions to things like Pluralsight um, if they if they need it, and because uh, that just doesn't exist as either. Um, and uh, for the month of August, everything that I make and like, so if you buy a digital copy, one hundred percent of that money goes to this nonprofit. If you buy a printed copy, then it's it's like seventy percent because we have to print, print it. So um, so I. L- large amount of money is going to this nonprofit if wow. you support well, the book in August. That sounds good. All right, uh, on to Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to this business? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. For those who, of you who do not know me, uh, I run Groundhog, a marketing automation and sales tool plugin business for WordPress. So if you're looking for email marketing, marketing automation that just installs into your WordPress website, then you can head on over to groundhog.io to find out more about that. Can you tap your mic, actually, Adrian? Right, um, Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. <clears throat> A little laryngitis today, but Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchFi.com, and we basically consult with anybody who's interested in building a WordPress membership site, e-commerce, or something to do with marketing automation using the plugins that are very well known, including yes. things like Groundhog. Oh, yes, definitely Groundhog. Uh, um before we go into the main stories, um, I'd like to mention one of my great sponsors, and that's um, Kinsta Hosting. And what is Kinsta? Kinsta only hosts WordPress websites. And if you're a developer or a power user, I suggest that Kinsta is something you should be interested in. They host the WP Tonic website. They've been hosting that for over two years. Fantastic. I've been totally satisfied. And if you're a power user, if you've got a membership site, WooCommerce, anything that needs a bit more oomph, um, Kinsta's the place to go and and find it. You get all the technology, all the bells and whistles, staging site, one one click backup, um, latest version of PHP. That means your site's going to run much quicker. You get the power of Google Cloud and you get a fantastic interface. And the main thing is you get some of the best support on the market at the present moment. All the Kinsta people are highly knowledgeable, very helpful, and they go the extra mile. And I can testify for that. Um, if that's interesting, go to kinsta.com, tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So let's go into the first story. And it's been an interesting week. Automatically, Automatic requires Tumblr plans to repeal the back end powered by WordPress. What do you think of this story, Heather? <laughs> I think Yahoo's probably upset about how much money they spent for a company that they just ran into the ground. One point one billion. <laughs> that that how much did I automatic get it for? I'm just gonna give me the money and I could have spent it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean I mean Kudos to the Tumblr loyal that stayed using it while Yahoo was just... Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think t- uh, Taylor Swift created her Tumblr account while Yahoo had it. But All then, right. I wonder how much they must have spent half the money just on that, I reckon. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is is Tumblr still relevant? Um, 
I mean, I guess there's people that still use it, but um, just buying, I think it's a great play for automatic because they've just like massively increased their user base. I mean, if, if only for the mailing list, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's probably a whole bunch of Yahoo and Hotmail addresses. God, oh my God, fathers. Spencer, what do you, what do you reckon? <laughs> my first thought my first thought was wait they acquired myspace or tumblr what's tum- tumblr what i had like a sort of weird, like a weird deja vu back to the ning days back in 2006 or something a uh, second thought i had was i wonder considering the track record i wonder how much Jerry Yang worries about that he's only worth 2.6 billion today, where he could have been worth 3.2 or 4.5 on all the crap that Yahoo bought and gave away at fire sale prices. I think this is one of two or three that comes to mind. But just how do you go from a billion down to uh, the New York Times is saying as little as 3 million bucks? This article said well south of 20, but let's just call it like they left it. I call free me about it well south. They left it at the curb. And the truck came beep, 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 <laughs> and the guy threw it in the back to drop it off at Otto Wood's house so that Otto can yell at all of the people on Tumblr, you asshole. We're going to get Yotto into the discussion, don't we, your friend, don't we? Anyway, in all seriousness, the thing that's so strange about this entire thing is that this was a platform from another era. My history with Silicon Valley and those kind of companies. Can I say, can I, can I interrupt you just for a second? Of course. Um, I, I think, actually, I just wanted to, your opinion on this. I think it's a play for all the staff. I think, I think automatic were having problems with good. No, you don't think so. Oh, well, that's no, because, what because staff is there now? Well, 200, 200 of them are going to be transferring over to... They already don't want the obligation. They already... We already... <laughs> don't you like it ever? <laughs> one of the... Sto- hold on. One of the stories we're going to talk about this week, where I put the comments in there, I think is the last story, is how there's Matt, and then there's Mika and Otto. That is essentially the, 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 the triple threat... They they don't seem to want to hire anybody at Automatic for any real jobs on any real salary for any purpose. Why would they want to take it on? I think what it is is essentially what it sounds like. They basically were kind of kicking it around at the flea market. And, oh, this thing was worth a billion dollars before, and we can pick it up for three million bucks. That's chump change. Let's get it, and we'll figure out what to do with it. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, so I have a, a counterpoint to that. So when we were uh, like when we were early on at Evernote and we were like super hot and in the papers all the time for like good reasons, um, the, the companies were coming to us like with fire sale prices and Kodak came knocking at our door and they're like, oh, this is a great partnership. You could buy us for $5 million. <laughs> you, you've got a lot of money. And we're like, what? <laughs> Why would we buy Kodak? I mean, and they, and they they were worth only five million dollars at that point in time. I mean, they're back up to like five hundred million or something now. But like, like this is this is kind of like that. Well, that I mean, sounds so, like a bargain, actually. Should yeah. it? <laughs> no, I mean, if we'd bought it, it would have been one of those like, and Kodak died. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's essentially what happens when when today's acquisitions happen. To be quite frank, it could be as simple as just, look, if we buy this now, we get it off the market, and it's one less CMS in the space that we have to worry about. 
because it's not like they were going to come back from the dead, but what if somebody else had thrown a couple shekels at it and then they reinvigorated it? Now we have to compete with something else that's going to take attention from our evil plans to take over the scene. I think you're struggling to find, what do you re- reckon, Adrian? I think the rest of the panel thinks there's absolutely not any real sense. I, I actually think it was a, a brilliant decision on their part. Yeah, right. They do get the, the 200 employees in order to help with the whole thing. They are uh, they are going to convert the entire Tumblr backend, at least it's been stated, to WordPress. So they get that all of that. They essentially are consolidating the open source web to a, a more standardized, like in how Drupal is adopting Gutenberg and all of these platforms platforms are going to start using this new Gutenberg platform. It's a consolidation in order to make the open source web more extendable, more usable across all the different open source platforms that exist. So I think from that standpoint in, in, in consolidating all of the different tools that are out there, this is kind of like one of the biggest steps as there are like 250 million tumblers on Tumblr. Not all of those are active at this point today, um, but some of them are, and they're going to start reinvigorating uh, that community uh, and if not, that is the greatest battle. Heather's looking very puzzled, Adrian. She's just, I don't, well, I don't, think, I don't the, think she's having any of this. Actually. Well, s- some people, like the people that chose Tumblr, chose Tumblr because it was really quick and easy to use. Like it, they, and, they, and to put up porn, basically. Well, Let's that, be honest. that that too. But like they they use they used Tumblr because they could go in, they could just basically put a text message, and then their post was up there. Stranger but, things have been revived. Yeah, but but WordPress is not put up a text message and my post is there. It's not as easy as that. Even like the easiest version. Well, of they said that the front end wouldn't be, be, be changed, but the back end will be changed. It's ridiculous. So I don't know if that's most, mostly to do with like the back end architecture. Those details have yet to be released. Yeah. I disagree, I disagree because I, the, the platform I referred to, which Ning, which is social networking for anybody. And I have a weird convoluted history. That was in the freemium days. The whole point is, Ning went through all the gyrations, blah, 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 spit out the other end. I don't know if they officially went bankrupt, but their $100 million of investment went bye-bye from LoudCloud, and they still exist today. But if you see somebody on Ning today, it's like meeting one of your, your, your mom's friends that has an AOL.com email or something. You're like, yeah. really? Like you, why didn't you move over with the rest of us to WordPress or something else yeah. along the way? Because if you're still here... There's something wrong with you or you never cared about this stuff enough at the beginning. So when they say, okay, all you ex, you know, uh, people with nice, pretty pictures of yourself on here, we're going to convert you to the back end of WordPress. It's like, we don't really want to be converted. We were just fine, you know, posting a picture of ourselves on our phone once in a while. And, and, we don't and, and they're probably going to go over to Gab anyway, because the people that are on, yeah, on, on Tumblr anyway. are like, we're not normal <laughs> they're, not, they're not interested in wordpress because they would have gone to wordpress on their own yeah. wordpress.com has been here forever we'll just have to wait and see we don't we don't know what the plans are nothing's happened yet so i'm not going to discount this as uh, just a uh, lost money i think something's going to come out of this i don't know what i don't know what yet but they they obviously think that there was something that they could do with the platform that was worth. Well, I suppose like, you know, if it's only free, it's only free me, isn't it? Who knows? I well, mean, it's, the, it's a, the well, it's got us talking about it. So at the very least, it was a great PR buy. It was good it's press. It was like the, the coffee world. cup in uh, Game of Thrones. Right. It's a three million dollar coffee cup. What yeah. did they buy this for? Let's talk about it for five seconds. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It did come out of the blue. I didn't see that one in my um, in my tea leaves. I didn't see the buy tumbler. There we go. Well, you know what? I just want to make a secondary comment that reflects upon the state of our world and where our priorities are, as well as in a microcosm with WordPress and the priorities they have. They can spend $3 million bucks to buy Tumblr at a time when they can't spend enough money to hire 
a freaking person in charge of marketing, a person in charge of accessibility, a person in charge of like PR. They can't hire a full-time person for $250,000 a year, but they can drop three mil on buying Tumblr, which is like the same thing where there's, you know, all these billionaires in the world, but unless the roof burns down on Notre Dame, you can't get a dime of anybody to help solve the other problems of the world. So this is kind of interesting from the standpoint of psychology and priorities of what, what is going on. Yeah, they should buy Yahoo, really, should put it out of its misery, really, shouldn't they? There we go. On to story two. Uh, eight predictions made um, by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos 20 years ago that right on the money, Dr. Evil. <laughs> All he needs is that bloody cat and he'd be well off. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to choose Eva because she's our guest. Eva, did you <laughs> What did you think of this? What did you think of Dr. Evil's prediction? Um, well, I mean, I think that anybody, I mean, you could go through any predictions or anything that he said over the years and find uh, a number of things that he said would come to pass so that you could read the tea leaves. And But, I mean, of all of the things that they pulled out. Do you think he's determined to become a Bond villain? You know, he's got the, <laughs> he's got the bloody space vessel it's something out of diamonds are oh, forever isn't it you know yeah. he's got the black he has actually got the white cat now yeah i mean it's it, like the the things that they pulled out in this article are fairly innocuous that anyone could have really said i mean they're they're at 20 years ago um i mean i'm i'm in las vegas 20 years ago there were five hundred thousand people here there's three million people now but you could see then that it was going to boom. Like the, you could even see then that the housing collapse was going to happen because things were, so that it's, it's not, it wasn't rocket science. The things that he said in this article, like one of them, for example, was that like, uh, computers were, uh, uh, that IOT devices were going to start being a thing. Isaac Asimov said that in 1940. He's into that. He's got you the, He's a slightly higher figure, isn't he? Isn't yeah, he? yeah. So, I mean, it's... Um, so I don't think that, that Jeff Bezos is necessarily uh, um, saying anything new. He's just uh, he's just higher profile, and so people are trying to read more things into what he's saying. What do you reckon, Adrian? Well, I'm, I'm just going to focus on one particular point that they made in the articles, that storefronts will die unless they provide... One of two things, either immediate convenience or entertainment value. Uh, and I think that is, well, it, even if it is innocuous, uh, very good advice. Um, a lot of retailers are currently suffering just because the only thing that they do is they provide and shelf their product. Uh, and after the purchase of the product, there's no real value inherently left in actually visiting that store except for, I don't know, maybe going back to get your product refurbished or replaced or whatever, whatever it is. There's no, uh, it lacks the entertainment value that is specified in the article. Uh, A lot of organizations that are here in Toronto, even if they're just like your run-of-the-mill coffee shops, for example, I can think of one uh, near me, it's called Creed's. And every week or um, or three times a week, they have different events in order to get people and come in and buy the coffee, buy the buy, whatever it is that they're serving. And it's trivia night. 
it's um, bingo night, it's whatever night it is of the week, and that's how they get people in from the Starbucks and from the Tim Hortons, and because they have equal, if not worse, coffee, but they're providing that imaginative event, that entertainment value, that's keeping their storefront alive, because without that, you're really losing out to anybody who can provide, again, immediate convenience or entertainment value, and Starbucks has a lot of immediate convenience. Tim Hortons, if I'm not, not prob- most of you probably aren't aware, that's our local coffee shop, uh, but that has also an incredible immediate convenience and is really cheap. So how do we get people from going to Amazon and going to the online retailers that have that immediate convenience value is by providing that entertainment value, by providing those imaginative events that speak, uh, spike curiosity, uh, spike imagination, and spike, well, the feeling of just being involved in something. Yeah, what, what do you reckon, Spencer? I want to know why. Dr. Evil, what do you reckon of Dr. Evil? I want to know why you have such a hard on for Jeff Bezos because, first of all, he is a doctor. He was first of all, doesn't fucking pay his taxes. I would say, excuse me. He exploits exploits his workers, and he's just an awful human being. That's why I don't bloody like him. Okay, well, first of all, you got to give him kudos for look at his pictures from 1999 and look at him today. And if you could go and ask a genie which one you'd rather be. I think most people would rather be the after than the before. So kudos to him for going in the right direction on his Benjamin Button route. Because if we were looking at him before with the, you know, today's version and then going to this, you'd be like, oh, poor, poor billionaire needs to go to the gym. Second of all is that as far as his predictions, I think that the Simpsons are famous for these things that they historically had quote unquote predicted years and years ahead of time about things. But hindsight is always twenty twenty because we were, we were talking about this stuff in the 70s and the 80s and probably in the 1890s. It's just nobody really made him a reality. So you take the germ of the idea and it becomes obviously true. So I don't find anything really remarkable here. The final bit is that I don't know if I, we'll talk about it next story. I don't know if I had to drop anything of social media and everything else. I'd have much trouble with anything except for Amazon. I'm pretty sure that if I have to ride this son of a bitch all the way down to the end of the world, I'm going with Amazon because it is fully ingrained in my world. I cannot, I don't see how I could live without it for all the reasons he described, but mostly, and and to Adrian's point, what it has allowed me to do personally is to differentiate my human social experiences from my necessity time-wasting experiences and my budget. So for example, when I want to buy stuff, you if you never leave that bag cave apart from your bloody trips or your. I'm just saying it's a filter where if I want to go have a human experience, I will go to my favorite local restaurant, my favorite local coffee shop, my favorite local whatever. But there's a big mall here called North Bacourt that was kind of one of those traditional malls. Unless they turn that thing into a kids' playground or you know extended entertainment things it's just dead. It's dead, dead, dead because no retailer could ever survive unless they have a service business or entertainment because everybody just goes online and gets the best price from some person anywhere. So it's just a reality, just like when we got rid of all kinds of other bullshit that, you know, the wagon wheel makers of 1890s probably were really bummed about cars, but boo-hoo for them. In the future, there will probably have to be more human experiences in the retail space because all of these repetitive jobs and even coding jobs will be gone with automation. And those people will have to do more human activities. And maybe it'll be detached from the monetary aspects of it. It'll just be, look, everybody has a reason to interact with humans. But as far as shopping is concerned, or as far as my entertainment on my girlfriend, you know, Alexa or Echo, 
uh, I'm just as happy to stay with it the whole way. And, and I don't think he's a bad guy. Last thing, it's anecdotal, but Amazon with his money, because he gets it tax-free, which is bullshit, $10 billion tax-free every year. If they don't change the tax codes, at least they have a fund where they give away millions of dollars with no conditions attached. At least that's what I've read, which is here, you, you have a good cause, 3 million bucks for you, 5 million for you, 10 million for you, and we're not going to babysit you. All right, on to the next story. I've been, I, I think I've been nasty. Dot, dot, T. <laughs> but he's, a, he's a total Bond figure. You brought it up. He is Dr. Evil, totally. All he needs is the white cat. He'd be, well, to off. His, his, uh, He'd be well off if he gets a white cat. Uh, <laughs> um, on to the next one. Word, all right, this is going to be interesting. WordPress themes review team scraps trusted authors program due to gaming and inconsistent reviews. <laughs> I don't believe it. What do you reckon, Spencer? Oh, my God. I mean, this is funny for the obvious reason of, was it really, well, just as a serious thing, is there really any needs for themes anymore? I mean, themes had a function when this was created. They did different things than they do today. But today, in my opinion, themes have been really relegated to being a whiteboard, essentially, that has some mechanical function to hold the top piece of bread, the bottom bread, the sidebar. But when you look at things like, you know, Astra, Hello, Divi, whatever, I mean, there's enough that there's really very few people that would fall for the notion of buying a specialized theme like used to be in the day. Because instead, you just use the whiteboard, you put your favorite page builder on it, and ta-da. So it seems really ironic that anybody's shocked or surprised that the repository for themes is just bullshit and that it was being gamed by people because it's the only way that somebody who still tries to make a living at doing that can survive. It's like a flea market. In my opinion, it'd be better off if they just eliminated it entirely. Because boo-hoo for you, if you can't figure out a way to make your theme popular uh, for commercial purposes without the repository, you're not going to get anywhere by gaming it because you've got Otto hanging around. Otto. Um, I, was, I was supposed to be losing um, Heather about this Otto remarking. Otto is one of the dark princes of Matt. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. uh, um, he's, um, he always gets mentioned on the show recently. We always have an Otto moment. Uh, um, so Adrian, Adrian, um, I don't totally, I partially agree with Spence and partially don't. I, I do think that, you know, I think the purposes of a theme have changed because because of page builders, but I do think they give some value um, to somebody starting out. You know, Astra have their one starter pack themes, so it still has some value, but um, I thought the whole way this review was set up from the beginning, I think when I remarked, I thought it was a total dog's dinner. Um, so what was your thoughts about this story? First off, what always surprised me was the how the theme review queue was always larger than the plugin review queue. Uh, I am a plugin developer. I'm not a theme developer. I've never developed the theme. I don't really plan on it. It's not really my thing. Um, but I've never been in the plugin review queue for longer than three days. And I have like four or five plugins in the repository at this point. Um, so, and it's always been like super fast and they're always very super responsive. Uh, which, you know, begs the question, why are people like still going down the theme review uh, or the theme route? Because be building a theme, like as I think as Spencer's mentioned a couple times, is a lot easier than it is because people just want to use their favorite page builder, uh, whether it's uh, Element or Beaver Builder, Brizzy, all of the options that are currently available. 
Um, I think the trusted authors program, uh, what they were trying to do was, as I had mentioned, the theme review queue is always longer than the plugin review queue, even though there's way more plugins than there are themes, which is, which is odd. I guess because they're bigger, I don't really know. They have some reasons, but whether that makes sense or not is up to you. Uh, so the whole purpose was to make the stream process streamlined. If we have a bunch of people who like regularly submit themes and they have proven that they're actually good at doing so, then we can actually just put them in a different queue and then we can streamline their process because we know that they're going to do good work and then that, you know, the, their stuff is going to be a-okay and people are going to enjoy it. And we, the, the non-trusted authors or the new authors that are trying to submit themes, we're going to put them in the regular queue and then we're going to do our due diligence for those people. Of course, what happens is with commercialization becomes the, the incentive in order to create cash flow because it costs money to support customers to create themes, to take the time out of your day to develop code. You have to eat, you have to rent places or you have to live. So commercialization is a part of theme building. Uh, and what people were doing was they're abusing the system by essentially just cloning multiple themes, right? They take the same theme and then as a trusted author, they could skip the review process. So they'd take like three different clones of what is essentially the same code base. They'd upload those at three different themes in order to essentially maximize the amount of penetration that you have in the theme repository in order to try and get people to buy the premium version of whatever that theme was. Uh, so that's the reason behind why it's being taken away. Now, I don't necessarily think commercialization of the repository is a terrible thing. I produce a commercial plugin uh, and I rely on the WordPress repository in order to grow my business uh, and provide premium solutions for our plugin. We offer a tremendous amount of value in our free version. And I think that's what the difference is because they have very stringent rules on what can and cannot be commercialized within a plugin. For example, no trialware and no crippleware. So uh, we provide just value and that's all we do in our free plugin. And then if they want more value, then they can go buy other stuff. Uh, so that's the kind of the differentiation and that was just being abused ending or resulting in the end of the trusted authors program. I don't think there was anything inherently wrong with the idea. Just when stuff gets abused, you shut it down. It was a good idea, but didn't work in practice. And that happens sometimes. Mm. I, I thought you talked a lot since there, apart from the last sentence. I, I thought it was a dog's dinner from beginning to end, but there we go. What do you reckon, Heather? Um. I think that whenever you do something like this, you have to put trust in the authors and you have to put trust in the people who are, are doing it. And if, if you can't, I mean, if they're, if you lose that trust, then you immediately have to take it away. Like you have to take away what you've given them. And, and uh, that's what's happened here. And it's as simple as that. Like they're doing the right thing. Automatic's doing the right thing. Otto, the Prince of Darkness. All right, uh, um, let's go for a break, folks. We've got some more stories in the second half. I've, I've enjoyed it so far. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. Otto's been mentioned many times. I think we're getting to a, 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 a record here of Otto mentioned. When are you getting him on the show? 
for God's sake. He's not coming on this. There's no bloody chance he's coming on this thing. I wouldn't if I was in his shoes. But there we go. You never know. You might have a few drinks and then do something crazy and come on. You never know, do you? If I was him, I'd be on the scotch. I'd be on the... Sp- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, cocktail version of this show. Yeah, there we go. Um, story number four. What if you and your brand could break up with social media? What do you reckon of this one, Spencer? I, uh, I played some tennis with some older guys that aren't in the online space. One of them kind of touches base, but it was a good reminder. I have from my other previous lives and businesses, an offline <clears throat> track record because I'm an old, old guy, maybe older than you. And what I find interesting... I am, old, I am older than you, Spencer. I'm 72. How old are you? I'm not telling you. So <laughs> I... I might tell um, Heather, but I'm not telling you. But there we go. Uh, right. <laughs> I, find, I find it very interesting that what happens is that when we're in this online space, we kind of get this blinder. And I think Heather will be able to reflect very well on this because, as she rightly said, her current business has nothing to do with the online space per se, is that there's an entire world that lives and breathes without anybody doing social networking, any even website presence is being uh, important. These are people who are in the machinery business, the services business, the word of mouth businesses. I have one pal who has a website. It's just nothing more than a placeholder for his phone for his video depositions. The idea is that the world does not live and breathe only on social. So what I find applies to my particular business in social with our consultative process is whereas for 14 years prior, it was all about making the courses and selling the courses. And that's what we help people with. My business goes back to using this. It's, it's a pad of paper, a pen, a phone call where people are referred by word of mouth with a problem. And I found in the last two years, I've created no new content that's social. I've used no social tools. I don't even use YouTube. And it hasn't adversely affected the business. It's improved the business because all my... Uh, I'm not having this. This, this, I'm sorry, Spencer. Having, uh, I don't know what your arrangement with Jack and WP Fusion precisely is. It's none of my business. But having a tight relationship with one of the most um, interesting and powerful plugins in the membership space, that's slightly helped you, Spencer. Well, I I want you to think about this because (laughs) my relationship with Jack is... Hold on, it's a very good answer because this is what I've been preaching. When I first started the online space in 2006, it was building a, a trike flying website using Ning, which was a, well, the thing I referred to, this $100 million loud cloud funded thing where Mark Andreessen's former girlfriend was the CEO. The point was, they had no idea what's going on, but they said, the services are here free for anybody who wants to use all of our stuff and the REST API and free servers, free everything. And so I met another pilot who was a coder. I flew out there to meet him. And we went into the Ning's office and said, let me see if I get this straight. You built a $100 million platform. You have maybe some users who want to use it, but you have no idea why. And it's free. You're saying it's okay if we do whatever we want here. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So like a football stadium with no cheerleaders, no beer, no hot dogs. We just pulled our van up, brought the cheerleaders, brought the beer, brought the hot dogs, and threw a party in the, in the parking lot, the tailgate. And everybody came to us, paid us money. And it created this surprise response of like, why are you guys making all this money every month and we're still freemium? And it's like, 
because it's about the relationship with the people and giving them what they want. It wasn't about the social media. But for your answer, every relationship I built from there on out, including recently with Jack, is go to the people who already have audiences, who already have an amazing product, and be the little birdie on that hippo's back. And you go, here's what you're doing amazing. Here's what you're doing not so amazing. Here's what I can do for you. Can I sit on your back? and peck the little bugs off of you so you feel great, and I get all the food I can eat. And that's what I do with Jack, and that's what I do with, I I have discussions even with Adrian about it. He's laughing. That's what I do. When I find an amazing person, an amazing product, an amazing company, the first thing I do is I call them up and I say, I am so excited about what I can do to help you. Done. And in the world we live in, guess what? That's just the same thing I've been doing for 40 years when I was a kid and I used to wash cars in a parking lot. I mean, that's human relationships. That has nothing to do with social networking. But I want to say there's nothing wrong with social networking. It's just everybody's on social. And God forbid on LinkedIn, every day, 400 people call me. Can I connect? I go, sure. First thing they do is the same bullshit. Like, oh, I want to have a phone call with you. Let's talk. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. If you contacted me and said, here's what's great and here's what's wrong and here's what I can do for you, I'd be interested to talk. But nobody has the, the common sense because they all come from the social world instead of where I come from in time machine world, the 1970s, the real world, where you have to like tell people what you can do for them first. Yeah, I've lost the whole purpose of this story. Maybe heaven can help me here. You reckon, you reckon of it? <laughs> um, so I've lost totally ever. Can you put so me back? Divorcing <laughs> yourself from social media as a brand um, in this day and age, it. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of a, an interesting example of this. Like, I I have a professional brand name. Mm. Like, I mean, so I have my my company. Ever you did until you decided to come on this show? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, so so no. I've got my company brand. Mm. Um, of Rocketeer. I've got my personal brand, Heather Wild, you know, <laughs> and, and then like, I, I mean, I've, I've got my home persona and like a lot, lot of people, uh, they, they don't actually understand that, that like that person on Instagram isn't a real person. And they pretend that that person on Facebook is exactly who they pretend to be with those shots that take like an hour to, to set up and, and that you're spending all that time with Facetune, making sure you're smoothing out all the wrinkles and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, you guys, you probably don't do that, but like almost every sh- girl online is spending hours to set up the perfect food shot. And I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody that, uh, I mean, even at Evernote, like we had a product Evernote food. So like before we could eat our food, we had to like take amazing pictures. Like we got really good at using somebody else's camera to backlight our food before we would eat it. Um, and so having a social media brand for your company is almost impossible to not do now. Um, if you're in a certain type of business, um, if, if your business involves marketing in any way as an entrepreneur, uh, then, then you need to get out there. But to Spencer's point, um, like newsjacking somebody else's or like hijacking somebody else's brand is absolutely a great way to do it. Like if you're not somebody that has a skill of, of getting out there or even is comfortable doing it, then I mean, like one of the ways that, that I do it is I attach myself to conferences. I attach myself to 
um, other people who have higher influence than me so that I could, I mean, like I write for Inc. Magazine. Like how would I have that reach if they didn't? So, um, yeah, I'm not a Kim Kardashian and, and most small business owners don't want to do that, but that's her entire business. Mm-hmm. So, but you, you need to have some kind of presence somewhere. Right. What do you reckon, Adrian? There we go. So it's all, I think it's all well and good to, you know, everybody's like, I'm leaving Facebook, I'm leaving Instagram, I'm leaving Twitter, whatever, privacy concerns, yada, yada, yada. It's an all, it's all well and good to like want to jump on that bandwagon and be part of like the, the anti-social media revolution. But if you're running a business uh, and you have an audience, then you pretty much just need to be where your audience is. If your audience is on Facebook, if your audience is on Twitter, if your audience is on Instagram, or if they're not on any of those and they're on Reddit, then that's where you need to be. And you can, if they're not on platforms that they're not on, then you don't need to be there. So it really comes down to where, what, uh, what forums are your audiences participating in? Uh, for example, mine primarily on Facebook. I have several Facebook groups and a lot of people are in there. They're asking questions. They're interacting with other members. The nice thing about Facebook is that your pro, your personal information is preloaded up. So you don't have to create an account. You don't have to do anything. It's just already there. Uh, and that's where a lot of the business professionals who are part of my circle uh, interact. And that's great. And I'm happy to be part of the Facebook community because that is where our users uh, are. Actually, was, was you surprised about that? Because like, because, um, <clears throat> With the WordPress, it seems very kind of focused on Twitter and I keep away from it to a certain degree because I just don't want to get into a load of wasteful arguments. Were you surprised that it's been the discussions you're having are more on Facebook? Not surprised at all, um, primarily because most of the large plugin developers, theme developers, they all have their open user groups on Facebook. It's all well and good to have the WordPress support page, but if you were a, if you were a plugin and you're moderating your support page, that means you have to personally go in and log into WordPress and then answer every ticket individually. While on Facebook, you can have everybody answering everybody else's plugins and you as the developer or the owner or whatever, do not have to actually jump in every single time and answer those people's questions. Uh, so the, the community aspect of Facebook is very, very, very useful for fostering that kind of uh, user interaction while Twitter is a little bit more difficult because if you ask a question on Twitter, then it's already like 300 pages down the feed by the time you log on. Yeah. So that, that's part of the, you know, if you're, if you're looking for that support aspect, which is what we mainly use uh, Facebook as part of our strategy is mainly just the support aspect as well as we use it. We are, we're able to broadcast in our group, essentially changes about the platform, new products that we're launching, all of that good stuff. Uh, so that's what we use the platform for. And that, that's, uh, at the end of the day, it's just wherever your audience is located. It's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Reddit. As long as that's where your users are and you can point to it and say, my ideal, my, my avatar, my customer avatar is located on these social media platforms, then you should be there so that they can find you. Right, yeah. I want to oh no, say, Adrian really said it well, but I want to elaborate one point. The corollary to what he just said about go where your users are is your business today since we're past the you know, early adopter, oh, wow crowd, now we're back to like, please don't bother me with traditional marketing stuff from the last five years, is find the pain that your prospective customer is experiencing. And if it is true that your customers exist on some other software or some other platform or some other space, go there and be helpful first. We've literally come full circle because I was, this is where we started in 2006 and we're back here now. 
there are 25 trillion people posting noise all day long on social spaces, including Facebook. And there's all these problems with moderation and, and bad behavior. But if you just go where the pain is and you're helpful, you can't lose because people are people. That's the bottom line for me. And from a marketing standpoint, it doesn't require you to be indebted to any platform because there will always be something somewhere you will find people. Right, you know, on to the next story. My first, my final goodbye to Tavern from Jeff Chandler. All right. Um, what do you reckon of this one, Spencer? Oh, Jeff's gone. Jeff's a good guy. This is a great, you know, let's put it like this. This show would not exist but for WP Tavern's comments. So, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, a lot of people really in love. This is a true water cooler website. So, I mean, he's a good guy. He's always nothing but thumbs up. So I, I hope he finds something else that's interesting for him to do. But, you know, this is just a nice, like, uh, better that he's saying goodbye in this way than for some other sad stories we've heard from some other WordPress folks, you know, with health and family and other things. So this is at least a happy ending. Do you, do you think he just got a bit burnt out by the the whole Gutenberg fiasco and it going and all the because the comments seemed to get uglier and uglier, didn't they? I just think maybe there wasn't really a financial remuneration that was proportional to the work. You know, I mean, I think he probably was exhausted from this labor of love, and it didn't. I'm not saying he he, he thought it would, but it, it didn't turn into Craigslist or something. He made his own comments there about what he had hoped it would achieve, and. I mean, listen, do you still do stuff you did 13 years ago for without being paid? It's It's got to be a labor of love at that point. Yes. What do you reckon, Heather? I think that when you do something for a long time, like eventually you start to get bored with it, especially if you've built it with, from the beginning. Um, and you just want to move on to new projects. And that's what it sounds like he's doing. Adrian, what do you reckon? There we go. I always click out of the tab and I have to click back into the tab to unmute myself. Pain in the butt. Um, I think, you, just, I, you know, some, if you're, you, I, like everybody else said, you do something for so long and it hasn't grown the way that you wanted it to. Yet you, you, saw, you saw a silver lining at the end of the tunnel and there was like a big pot of gold or a big pot of code or whatever it is that you wanted to be there. And then, you know, it's taking you so long. You just get bored and you're like, is this really what I want to be doing right now? Do I want to go do something else? Do I want to see what my options are? Do I want to reinvent the way that I do business? Do I want to reinvent, you know, what what my what my core purpose is life, the the way that I'm going to help people? I think that's just, you know, uh, best of luck to him and and finding what it is that he's going to do that's going to make an impact beyond what he's already been able to accomplish. Yeah, I was fascinated. He said he 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 might probably looking at something outside the WordPress bubble in a way. Um, but kind of in, in his interview, um, he kind of um, said, you know, he got more kind of um, developer-focused, the tavern in general, and the comments. And obviously, he isn't a developer, you know. He started it um, as a kind of power user, somebody influencer, somebody interested in words and writing. Um so I think he's felt a little bit excluded because um, he is tot the WordPress ecosystem fundamentally is totally dominated by developers in a way. Would you agree with that, Adrian? Yeah, I, I would. You know, 
Well, that's, that's one of the, one of, that's an issue that I face on a regular day basis is that we try to provide a tool and a resource for people who aren't super like developer focused or developer or they're not power users. They're just people who want to help grow their business and use effective tools. Uh, and then we get people in who are like asking for all of these like crazy, and we were talking about this yesterday. We were, we get people in there who are like talking about all these crazy features and they want to do all of these epically cool things and connect, you know, X software to Z software to Y software uh, and you're trying to accommodate that while at the same time being able to provide tools that are like at a low enough level for newbies to understand. So it's it's always... Yeah, and also you've got to understand this is rather cynical, but I think it's the truth. What they also, there's a certain element of that crowd that what they're really saying to you is that you want you to do this donkey work because they don't want to hire a developer and have incur the cost of having to do some real custom coding, aren't they? Uh, some it, it can seem like that sometimes. That's at the end of the day, that's what, that's what they're really saying. Here to, we're, we're, we're here to help, and if that's something in the scope of something that we can accomplish for a relatively low cost and that we can redistribute equally, you know, for at a profit, then that's something that endeavor we can take on. Uh, WordPress has always been, uh, and has and will continue to be the the free platform, and people will always expect a certain level of, of functionality for free, and we get that. Uh, and that's not going away. Um, and we just have to mitigate the amount of information that we want to be able to provide while main, making sure that our support team isn't like totally overwhelmed by the amount of free support that we're going to provide. So good luck to him. I hope he does well. I hope that he's able to yeah. find another way to provide value back to the community. Yeah, I do. He always, always struck me as a very fair person. Uh, um, in the madness of WordPress, he was a more moderative voice to my mind. So I do wish wish you well, and um, thank you for your contribution. It's uh, I know some some peers you did. We all do. We don't feel we're getting a lot out of it, but I think you had a respect of a lot of people, Jeff. And I wish you well. On to the final story: Word WooCommerce versus Shopify, a battle of e-commerce platform domination. What do you reckon of this? Oh, you had a, you had your own comment, Spencer. So I'll start with you, Spencer. What did you think of this one? <laughs> First of all, I want to say um, nothing to do about Jeff, but one of the things might be interesting is I've really enjoyed Post Status lately, and I really enjoy their podcasts. I don't have a lot of time to watch or listen to all the podcasts because there's a lot of stuff, but his in particular have been very unique. So Brian's doing a great job with that, and the guest posting and other stuff, I find a really good mix because this is not the normal WordPress plugin or the WordPress drama stuff. It's more like higher level stuff. Second of all, Jonathan Wald is a pal of mine who calls me frequently and we talk about all this theoretical stuff. So Jonathan was on the podcast about this topic and he was on your show. And I sometimes shake the stick at Jonathan. I'm like, get to the freaking point already. Because all the theoretical stuff aside, this is an interesting topic. And he's saying, look, Shopify is an aggregator and WordPress is a platform. Okay, we get it. But it doesn't solve the fundamental problems because in his suggestions about what WooCommerce should be or do, scroll down to the comments of this gentleman, Jesse, at the bottom, and you can sum up all that's wrong. It all comes back, and one day you'll have him on your show. It all comes back to auto. So, And the comment is essentially... Blah, blah, blah. Matt Mullenweg is more concerned with allowing Samuel Otto Wood to continue trolling and tormenting the many third-party teams that contribute to WordPress.org while aggressively promoting dead-on-arrival extensions like Jetpack that are doomed to fail. Point is that the platform itself, the plugins, outstanding. The community of ecosystem plugins that work with WooCommerce, outstanding. 
my job entails being a Lego block assembler, knowing which components snap together in this platform. It's winning. But as a company, there is no way in God's green earth that Automatic is ever going to compete against the Shopify aggregation community because they are top down from day one. They control everything. They've got a vibrant marketplace where all the authors are making money because of the fact that the buyers bought in from day one. I don't own and control this. This isn't a granola farm with drinking you know, Kool-Aid and smoking pot and having t-shirts on. I paid from day one that I got in here and everything I need, I pay for. Whereas in WordPress, they're saying one thing and doing another, even now. It's free as in beer. It's free as in get it for free. It's blah, blah, bullshit, blah. But then Jetpack and forced Gutenberg blocks and forced updating and auto beating you up if you're making a thing and the theme thing, all of this is like, like an incestuous family problem. So my prediction from this article, which stands is, WooCommerce will continue to grow as a fundamental part of any WordPress solution for e-commerce, for membership, for uh, online coursework, and even for basic stuff, because it's a great onboarding tool. But my prediction is that at some point there will be a break or a fissure in this WordPress ecosystem where they push too hard and a rogue group of people will go off in earnest finally and just run the open source part of this and allow Automatic to be what it really is intending to be, which is just WordPress.com, you know, with, with like a different yeah, name. I, I, I think I, I was, I was, as you were going about midway, I was thinking you're pushing it a bit too far, but you've ended with somewhere. I, I, I'm going to ask Heather this in a second. I just think Automatic and... And it's kind of linked to story one. I just think it's totally fragmented. I think it's it's the Pie Piper of the Magpie. I, I don't know. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any roadmap in automatic where the freaking hell they're going. You know, uh, um, To me, they, they, they flapped around with WooCommerce for 18 months. And I still, have they, have they still not got it integrated with WordPress.com? Is, am I right about that? Or is it, Spencer? Wooco- WooCommerce? Yeah. Well, here's what I can say about this. I don't know because what happens is I've had at least a couple of clients in the last month who've come to me and they're all frustrated. These are nice little old ladies in Madison, Wisconsin, kind of like clients. And they're frustrated because they can't do normal stuff that I think about what she's saying. And I go, wait a second, are you on WordPress.com site or WordPress.org self-hosted? And all of a sudden this light comes on because they don't make it clear even what the difference is for the lay person who come in. But the second thing is you and I had a conversation a week or so ago, theoretically about how to accomplish things. WordPress with WooCommerce should be one thing. If you ask me, WooCommerce should be like core level because it does so many important things for onboarding users, automation, transactional engine. Will that happen from automatic? Doubtful, because they love the fact that it's like a separate way to sell stuff a la carte. But from the standpoint of people looking at this, it would be much better for everyone if it was just clearly defined that this stack of stuff in WordPress self-hosted has the following key features. And one of them happens to be WooCommerce. Whereas is right now, it's like people aren't that clear about it. And it, it causes this sort of, what the hell am I doing here and why do I need WooCommerce? And that's a shame because WooCommerce is probably the most powerful feature that would draw people in just like Shopify does 
for the whole basis of their business. It's, it's a, an e-commerce platform. Yeah. So, have a, as an outside, yeah, outside observer, would you agree with me? I just sense that automatic is a little bit schizoid, really. Um, what do you think, Heather? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, they keep adding new features to, to WooCommerce. And uh, I mean, in general, I've had, I mean, I've had to deal with Shopify and their APIs in the back end with that for uh, my, my previous company with me. And uh, it's terrible to deal with. It, it gets really, really out of hand quickly. It very, does, doesn't it? You're so right, because I've done some big Shopify projects. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's slow, yeah. and it, gets, oh, it, it just gets bogged down, and, and the, the database structure is, is really convoluted if you have, like, more than 10 SKUs. Um, and so WooCommerce has uh, its problems, uh, obviously, but, um, I mean, at least it's... No, I don't uh, mean that. I just mean automatic in general. Where, what is, where are they going? What are they up to? It, it just all seems like... It just seems on a skit side to me. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, sometimes you've got people that... Uh, have never run this size company before. And, and I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger and they, they make more and more money and, and they still have the mindset of like, we're, we're just a startup and, and it's a remote organization, like it's distributed. So like they don't even, they still think that they're just tiny and small, even though they've got all of these employees around the world that they're like, yay, it's a party. So, um, I mean, it's got this startup feel to it, but it, it really is a big company that, that people rely on every day to run their businesses as a two-sided marketplace. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's really what it is. It's, it, they are, like, it, you have to think of them like Uber. They, they are a two-sided marketplace. They, they provide software that people can use to run a business um, like as software developers and to run a business as businesses. And if, if their software, like if, and everything that, that the automatic guys are doing is to feed that machine to make both groups better. Um, so if you think of it from that, that mindset, yeah, I mean, it's going to seem schizoid, but there's probably some feature set that yeah. they're seeing that either one of those two customer bases might need at some point. Yeah, I could never understand this. You know, it's a bit linked to last week's discussion, which you weren't part of, Heather. Um, but um, we were talking about Jetpack, you know, and people in the WordPress community, you know, Morton Henderson, Matt, uh, Matt from the Matt Report, um, Medeus. Um, they really say that um, um, Jetpack is a Trojan horse, and so does, to some degree, Spencer. Oh, 100%. You, um, sorry? 100%. It's 100%. A Trojan horse. Right, a Trojan horse. Um, and I was thinking, I was thinking what, what the fuck are you messing around with this automatic? I don't know if it's the, their riot 
or not. And I thought to myself, why don't you just produce the best hosted WordPress solution possible with WordPress.com? Start flapping around and have a, you know, and provide something that's a lot better than GoDaddy, Bluehost, and these terrible fucking hosting companies that are useless. I mean, they make the whole experience of running a WordPress website a pain in the ass because they're useless. They're toe rags. Uh, um, so <laughs> I thought, so why don't you do something constructive and do that? And instead of trying to plot some, you know, I'm not even sure it's going to work that well. I don't know. Maybe I'm losing the, am I losing the plot, Adrian? Am I losing it? Well, we were talking about Shopify yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, so you're losing the plot then. <laughs> right, cheers. Do if we want to bring it back to, to okay, the well, Shopify so conversation? Yes, yeah, I feel that's very wise, actually. Don't you? I, I think so. Um, I actually, uh, I remember two years ago I spoke at WordCamp Toronto. Not a huge WordCamp. Uh, the WordPress community is not as large as it is in the United States or in Europe or whatever. So, we, but I was, I spoke at WordCamp Canada uh, or WordCamp Toronto rather. And one of my uh, talking points was actually the, the Shopify versus um, the Shopify versus WooCommerce dynamic, because my, my, my talk was about democratizing digital marketing uh, and where WordPress is going in terms of the actual uh, democratization of all of the, the entire business stack that's happening within WordPress. For example, like with us and email marketing and marketing automation, the, the more and more tools are being converted into software as a service or into rather open source uh, solutions. So software as a service being converted into open source via WordPress plugins or other tools and so on. And uh, what, I, what I'd like to point out is, uh, which was already touched on, Shopify, as, as soon as you start going beyond the core feature set, it gets way expensive, way fast. Uh, your add-ons, your plugins, your whatnot are costing $39 a month, not per year, a month, $99 a month. And then you want to hook that up to your CRM, whatever. There's another $120 a month for just for the connection in between the two uh, because those aren't free. And uh, it kind of just gets uh, more and more and more bloated for there. Shopify is a great solution if you're a mom and pop shop and all you have like 10 products and you just send people to those places and they just pay online and they're all a local community and you just like hand deliver it. Right. And that is where Shopify to start is great unless you have really, 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 really deep pockets. Uh, WooCommerce on the other hand is the fully open source and democratized version of that where you get basically all of the same features that Shopify offers without the cost or the price tag. Um, and that's what, you know, we're trying to do to an extent is providing all of the features that, you know, Salesforce, Active Campaign, what not. Again, all of those features that those platforms offer with the integration with WooCommerce uh, at, at a yearly cost rather than the monthly cost. And that, that's huge expense that requires very, very, very deep pockets. Who will win? Um, both of them. Uh, the, only th the only thing that competition promotes is uh, better prices for the user as well as more users for both of them. So as long as they're, they're competing, then the only yeah, thing... I, I'm kind of torn between you and Spencer, and that happens often, actually, uh, um, is that I do agree with Spencer. I think it's a, the market... I think WooCommerce, when you get to a certain size, is the better solution. But people in the Shopify community would totally disagree with me because they say, well, you can, you can get the Shopify VP services. I point out that's no much, enterprise. Yeah, that's not much different than get, getting um, 
a really good developer on board with WooCommerce, really. Really, yeah, it's not. There's yeah. a big difference. There's a big difference. The one, bi- the one big difference, and I had the pleasure of meeting a guy who was a developer in the Shopify community, you know, the, the add-ons. Shopify's system is a top-down multi-level marketing, but in a nice way, because you know going in there that you're going to pay for everything you do. And if you are not a developer, or if you think you're going to get past the REST, a REST API, you immediately realize this is not the same as being in an open source environment where in WooCommerce with WordPress, somebody can hire somebody to help them stick the Lego blocks together, and then they can independently run their business without necessarily buying additional stuff or paying somebody all the time or everything new they want to do, having to go, oh, I got to get a plugin that's paid or an author to write it or use the REST API. Whereas in Shopify, that doesn't exist because it's a platform that essentially has closed code. Whereas WordPress WooCommerce, while it's sort of an open IKEA-like platform, all of the code is open. And one of the things that I keep bitching about, which is the Jonathan Wald conversation, when I say just do something about it and why I put it out here, is I see myself all day long in a consultative process and maybe even more if I get involved in it, just doing that, just throwing up an Ikea store and saying, screw this, like, here's the stack of the five things. You come into the store, you get these five things, we help you set it up for your business, we talk to you like a real person, and when you're done, here's the net payoff. You don't need me. You don't need to worry about continually paying, you know, your licensing fees for your add-ons in Shopify. You want to do something new? Hire somebody from the ecosystem anywhere around the world who knows a little bit of PHP, HTML, and so forth. And if you want to take it all with, it's all in one box. Move it from the host to host to host. It just comes with you. You can't do any of that on a closed platform. And when I was talking earlier about my interesting history of working in Silicon Valley with Ning, that was the big thing that the freemium model and the business we built, they unplugged it. When we got too big for our britches and we're making more from doing the thing in the parking lot than they were doing with 100 million bucks, they unplugged us and all the customers unceremoniously, which is still the case with Shopify. If you're naughty on Shopify, they can unplug you, just like Yahoo did with the Tumblr sex people, okay? If you are on a platform, you are at their whim. If you're on WordPress, Matt made one critical benefit or mistake. He put on the tie-dye t-shirt with the free love and the hippie granola thing. It's like free as in beer. That's for Jack and his wife in, in Germany telling me they're listening to what's free in his beer. He's given the free as in beer speech, like open source. But you own that code. You own your data. You own your customers. You own your business. And no matter what they decide with their schizophrenia, it's automatic. They can't put that genie back in the bottle, which is why I keep referring to the fact. See, this is, this is um, just to finish off, because we need to go on to recommendation and get on with our lives. <laughs> this, is where we fund, this is where we fundamentally disagree. Why? Well, because I don't think Matt Manahag's ever made a, f- well, everybody in their lives makes mistakes. But when it comes to business, Matt Manahag is one of the brightest people I've ever met. 
Uh, um, how do you, you argue against the fact they can't control the fact that it's open source software? I don't think he, I think he was totally aware. Is that a mistake or a deliberate choice? He, that was a deliberate choice, Spence. Okay, so you live and die by the story. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying man is suffering. Man is a, is a human being and is a business He's an old character. He's an old character. He's in England. We would you say he's a little bit eccentric. He, you can't, you he's can't a bit of eccentric personality. But when you're... But he, He's at a different intelligent level than you and me, Spencer. Put it that way. Uh, um, um, that's your that's your opinion. I think that he's a very intelligent person who's made very unusual behavioral decisions, and he runs his company as he see fits. That's his prerogative because it's his company. However, unlike Bill Gates or other people who've created closed source platforms, he can't now pretend that it's a closed source platform and convert an open source thing into closed source. And that is his Achilles heel. And that is what I keep referring to why I don't know why you disagree on it. I don't care. When WordPress gets too painful on the .org side, people will take that code and go do something with it. And there's nothing he can do legally to stop it. That's my whole point. Shopify, they can sell it to Jerry Yang and Jerry can give it away for $3 million down the road. But the people have to live and die with that corporate decision. And that's a huge difference. Rightio. On to our recommendations. My recommendation is I have a wide book. Uh, um, I haven't bought a copy. I think I have. I have to go and make sure that. <laughs> I certainly haven't read it because I've just been busy with freaking stuff. But I'm sure it's going to be a good read. Heather's, Heather's a, a lovely lady and a bright lady. And I'm sure it's going to... I'm sure it's going to be entertaining read, isn't it, Heather? So, uh, um, so go buy it and you'll be supporting a good cause. Spencer, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners? Tongue and cheek aside, I got a great giggle today. Go to Heather's website at rocketeer.com slash crew to see one of the more entertaining 404 pages I've seen in. Yeah, I, I went to that. And I thought, <laughs> oh my God. I totally worth it. Yeah, it was actually. Uh, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Adrian, got anything to recommend to the listeners? Uh, I'm, I, I didn't come up with a recommendation, so I'm going to put in, I'm going to put in a quick, super quick, shameless plug. Just go to groundhog.io if you need marketing automation and that's going to be I'm not going to go, I'm not going to delve into it because I obviously, I did not pay for the sponsorship shot. So. Have I got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Uh, I'm going to double down. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, also, like, good cause. Uh, donate uh, to my fundraiser slash buy my book. Um, check it out on Publishizer for this month in August uh, because who, who doesn't want to support additional education for, uh, for all of us? Um, and, uh, yeah, and also you can get a copy of my wonderful book and hear more about me and, and starting a startup. And, there we go. Well, we've only got one recommendation then, folks. That's my buy Evans book. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, hopefully you should come back on the show. Of course. It's always having a pleasure having you on the show, Heather. We'll be back next week with another great panel and hopefully some interesting WordPress stories. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.